Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. Welcome back to Life to the Full Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good morning, honey. Is there any such thing as a good morning? Well, I guess not for you. Um, so we we're, we were thinking that uh, we start the episode with what you're drinking, Jimmy. I am drinking some coffee. Uh, what Tra- kind? Trader Joe's has not had in stock our pumpkin spice latte. Yes. Which tragedy. I'm, I'm kind of ready to throw a brick through the window. And protest, not really. Uh, would never do that. Would think about it, but wouldn't necessarily do it. Um, but I'm drinking it's some type of autumn blend with like, I guess hints of maple syrup. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. But you definitely like can that. taste. You can smell it. Somehow. It supposedly has natural flavor. Yeah, it's it's good though. I like it. Yeah, we we're not really sure what's in this coffee. Right. Uh, we're glad that it's seasonal. And mm-hmm. that it's not something that we're going to be drinking daily. But the so. pumpkin st- spice stuff is so good. I, I could drink that every day. Yeah. And then yesterday we went to Starbucks and uh, the, what do you call them, barista? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Uh, we, you know, we went for our pumpkin spice latte and she goes, oh, you just missed it. And we're like, oh, okay, fine. I guess we're here a little too late. And she goes, no, as in like two minutes ago. <laughs> Way to go. Make us feel terrible. <laughs> yeah. But wasn't it nice, babe, like sitting in a Starbucks? It's been a long Yeah, it felt like time. a real human being sitting in a Starbucks. <laughs> Hasn't happened in a while. So Since that was pandemic. good. So, Stupid um, pandemic. <laughs> so let's uh, gear up for our fall. I know it's getting colder. The time has changed. We are recording a little later than what we want to. Hopefully we could get... At least two episodes today, uh, so we can continue the, the conversation. And just a heads up to, we're no longer gonna have those roundtables yep. on the end of Fridays. Friday seems to be a challenging day for a few people, and we really want to encourage you guys to head over to our Slack channel that you will find in our website, where we will be updating the show notes for the fall. Yep. And you will find the notes for, for last summer, which is increasing our vulnerability, and last spring when we started, and the season of staying curious in our relationships. Yes. Or listening and staying curious in our relationship. That's right. That, because that's the L. That's right. For life. Yep. All right. So what do we have in store? I know we had a challenge. What did you call the challenge, honey? The one... One gospel challenge, I think. The one gospel, one sitting Yeah, one gospel, one sitting. Yes. I'm sure you guys all ran out and did that. Well, I did. Did you? I did the Book of Mark. Wow. And one of the things that N.T. Wright uh, suggested, which 
at first I was like, for what? And then I was like, oh, yes. So N.T. Wright, one of his, one of his suggestions. Oh, this was, wasn't my suggestion? No, no. I didn't come up not. with this? You didn't come up with it. He thinks he comes up with everything, guys. <laughs> he thinks he had taught me how to drive when obviously it was my father. Um, but yeah. Uh, I taught you English. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't, he, doesn't you do really good, guys? Yeah, it, it's terrible. It's it's a it's it's a problem that I've I've chosen to embrace and laugh at and not get so upset because before I will get really upset. Oh. Anyway, so N.T. Wright, one of his suggestions it's to pray through your sitting mm. <laughs> because if you're like me. And you have a really hard time staying still. This tip may be very good because <laughs> you are gonna need prayer, and especially if you're shifting from for me, as I mentioned last week, reading whether one verse or just one chapter and doing whatever it takes to apply it, to really shifting into listening to the whole book, and. Um, yeah, reading through and praying through it has helped, as well as the Audible from Bible Gateway. Uh, and, and so basically I read along with it. So I did the Book of Mark. Nice. When he first suggested this, I want to say I did Matthew. However, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't do it in one complete sitting. Hmm. But this one was one in the morning. I prayed. I did yoga. So I moved from the sofa to the kitchen and then I read along with the audible and then I took the audible to the bedroom while I was like cleaning up and the process took an hour and a half. Hmm. And, uh, I know for most people are probably saying, I don't have an hour and a half. Um, and let's not be legalistic. Maybe it wasn't in one complete sitting, but let me tell you. The things I discover. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I wish you guys could see her nerdy face right now. <laughs> I don't want to. I really don't want to rob anyone from this hmm. discovery because it was truly something magical that happened in that hour and a half. It's funny. I guess I never told you. Um, no, Jimmy's been. He started a full time job, so he has not been home yeah full-time plus and, and the time well yeah more like 60 <laughs> more like two 60, full-time jobs 60 plus hours uh for right now right yeah. um so it's uh whenever we get the time to talk in the evening it's usually about what are the things that we're gonna do for either the week or the following day so you know when we give when i when i personally give any kind of challenges i, I you know i had to ask myself i was like wait did i do it in one sitting you know, when I read Matthew after I read the book, and I was like, I don't think I did it in one sitting. Um, I broke it down. And so I was like, we just said it was in one sitting. <laughs> so what I like to encourage you guys, it's to let go. Let, let's be a little Lucy, Lucy goosey. Lucy goosey here. Uh, you may break it down. Do your best to do it in one day. It was magical to do it in one sitting. And going from sofa to my yoga mat to my kitchen table to the audible while I was making the bed and tidying things up. So, discoveries called me. 
Wow. After you read it in one sitting. So when you when you say you took an hour and a half, it's it's more like an hour and a half with like breaks. Just knowing you probably. No, there was absolutely no breaks. Really? No, I was uh. because I did the audible. So I don't know if that's cheating or not, but no, no. I had someone read it to me, and so while he was reading some of the parts, I will get up and I will do yoga. Oh, but when oh yeah, in the prayer part, yeah, I did pause it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's uh, a NTRI specific about what prayer in each book. Mm. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and that's uh, how God became king. How God Became King. How God Became King. Patty's a favorite, apparently. <laughs> okay. All right. So what do, we, what do we have for today? Well, I mean, speaking about, you know, noticing things when you, when you sit and you read the whole thing. And, you know, I think it's something we always have to remind ourselves. Books are very new. Uh, the book technology is relatively recent in our, uh, you know, with us, with people. Um, so I don't think an audible... Uh, would actually rob an experience from you. I think, if anything, it would probably enhance it. Yeah. I have to change the speaker. Yeah. Because the first one was, like, putting a lot of emphases and certain things. Oh, really? How Jesus will say it. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he didn't say it like that. <laughs> Just like Jonah. I still I still remember because I, I did that, like, um, mm. when I took it with um, Tim. Okay. And I let her re- read it to me. And it made it sound like Jonah was like super spiritual. I'm like, Lord, you know, and then I was like, mm, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> so I had to switch it with Mark too. So I believe okay. his name, uh, it's something from the UK. Uh, I'll keep it in the show notes. Sure. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, but I think if anything, it could enhance the experience. The The, the funnest uh, reading of the scripture on an an audible format audiobook format i think was we found one for your dad in spanish that's where how we began yeah, yeah yeah where the guy it's like i don't know why everything sounds more exciting in spanish yeah i mean i, w- I couldn't believe it was free yeah you know because my dad drives a lot so yeah. so i was like okay how can i share the scriptures that you've been sharing yep. and all this and then when jesus rose from the dead and he was like go that, that, that didn't happen <laughs> oh, I thought you said that one of us said that. No, no, no. Oh, you're so silly. <laughs> really? <laughs> All right, shout out to us if you like football. Goal. And I mean F-U-T-B-O-L. Whoa, whoa, what did you just say? Football. Oh, uh, they said. Not F-O-O-T-B-A-L, American football. What? There's a we're, difference? We're talking about a worldwide. Yeah. American football needs game. to be called handball, so. It used to be called something else. Yeah. Because you only kick it once. You only kick it. So and only I, one player I'm does that. I'm not really understanding yeah. the concept and why you would call it football. Like most of American culture can be described as confused. We just don't know. <laughs> but we're certain of what we think we know. Same thing, I guess, with American Christianity. But anyway, I digress. Um, so I think, you know, reading the whole thing helps you begin to notice things. Yes. And the text, in a sense, I think does a good job of pointing it out to you. And it leads you to different places. It shows you different things. And I think um, what makes it so difficult, I think, for for myself, you know, having gone through this this deconstruction process 
and this kind of reconstruction process is okay how do i how do i share this with other people mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like you know like for those of you who i guess were cool in the early 2000s like i was uh <laughs> well i don't know if i was ever cool but you guys remember the matrix right and it's like the blue pill or the red pill or the red uh-huh um and it's like i don't remember which one is gets you out of the matrix but whatever like opens your mind to what reality really is to now go in and explain that to someone else who hasn't gone through that same journey who is maybe even comfortable with the way their tradition has informed them on how they read scripture uh who like you know they find some comfort in that yeah you know even if it's a in my opinion a much smaller world um and i feel like certain ways that we look at things in modern christianity especially in the west and in my tradition i, I do think it actually damages people and hurts people yes uh in the long run maybe not in the beginning you know in the beginning when we're all excited yeah you know and it's it's more in my opinion about the great relationships that we we get from being a part of a a church versus like necessarily like our biblical studies studies mm-hmm. yeah um but i think as it goes on like some of those things become more and more apparent and then mm-hmm. you you get stuck and then you get you're you're hurt you're disappointed you're you're not seeing the truth that you thought you saw in the bible play out in in real life in your life and the lives of others and you could become stuck and just lost yeah so for me like you know temples as gardens mm. temples as places where heaven meets earth Harkening back, I don't know why I said harking, like I'm coming out of a King James Bible, uh, Charlton Heston movie. Uh, you know, gardens and temples, their similarities, kind of call back to the Garden of Eden and the fall. Uh, those are things that I think, especially in our tradition, would not necessarily ever really pointed out to us. And again, you need to kind of see the whole story, mm-hmm. kind of have to carry around the whole story in your head to kind of start seeing this stuff. But, you know, you have Moses... You know, with his tent not being able to get in, right? The temple has like almost like a garden image. He can't get back to the place where heaven meets earth, where heaven has met earth, where God came down. So they needed to deal with that, right? And then the same thing happened with Solomon, like we talked about. They built the temple, you know. God is like, I like my tent, but they wanted to build him a house, you know, so they built him a temple. And the same type of thing. God's spirit came down. They couldn't get in. You know, and then with the, the next temple, when they came back from Babylon, uh, you know, God's presence never really returned. You're, you're left there wondering what's happening. Huge tragedy. God hasn't come back. Jesus comes very like a lot of temple language being used of Jesus. God's spirit coming down to Jesus. So now you have the whole story kind of in your head. I know we kind of just like took big points out of it and we kind of stitched it all together. But then you notice some curious things about the beginning of the story back in the first pages of Genesis. First of all, what happened right after Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden? They have some babies. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, this Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. right? What are Cain and Abel doing? They're working the land. Yeah, but when we meet them, what are they doing in the story? I don't know. I forgot. Let's, let's look at it. <laughs> okay, let's do it. All right. Totally not planned, but we're going to go for it. Yeah, okay. And I am reading in my NIV 1984. You like to say that. <laughs> I just like people know where I am. It's like NIV is not the best Bible, but it's like, you know, 
it's very close to my tradition, so I like I like to use it. Okay. <laughs> Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. This is uh, Genesis 4, and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel oh. brought fat portions yeah. from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. So there's Offerings. A, yeah, there's a lot of like hmm. missing details mm-hmm. in this whole story. Like one of one of the ones that you know jump out at people probably first when you get familiar enough with the story is why did God like one and not the other? Mm-hmm. Like how would they even have known? Well, I was kind of thinking even like because it isn't like really talk much about Adam and Eve giving offerings, but now it does talk about Cain and Abel. Yeah, so that's new. Yeah, right. That, I thought that's what you meant. Like, what's happening? What happens after? That's good. And that's I was good. like, oh wow, I guess offerings. Yeah, we started doing that. Like, how would they even have known to do that? The Book of Leviticus hasn't been written yet. Exactly. Yeah, you know, <laughs> if we're in the the course of yes. the narrative. You know, yeah. no instructions have been given. Right. You know, so are these things that they somehow got from their parents? Mm. And, you know, then we're left hanging with a question. What was the book of Leviticus for? Mm. It was for Moses to get into the temple, into the place where heaven met earth, where God had come down. So what what was the purpose of Cain and Abel bringing offerings to the Lord? For the same reason? Probably. They were oh. probably probably they were probably trying to get back in. Yeah. To the garden. Yeah, I know mommy and daddy messed up, but yeah. can we get in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, the the story is not necessarily clear whether, yeah. you know, they were born inside they might have been born inside the garden. You right. know. Right. Uh you know, they, they could have been born outside the garden. The narrative is not crystal clear on, you know, timelines and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's like the whole story has kind of been about, even from the beginning, about how do we deal with, with this sin? Mm-hmm. And again, using a better word with this, how do we deal with our failure to live up to what we were initially created for? Yeah. How, how, how do we deal with the fact that we're not truly human? Mm-hmm. We've become something less, mm. right? To get back into that space. So this is something that I don't think you would you would get on a first reading. But I think once you kind of have this, the whole story, it's it's right there. <laughs> it's been there the whole time. Yeah. It's like they're trying Just like Genesis to get one, back in. One. <laughs> yeah. And I love uh, Jordan Peterson's biblical lecture series because mm. I feel like I mean, he he's a trip, though, too, because I remember there was one lecture we listened to. He goes really long where he, he, he was like, I want to read a quote from my book. And then like an hour later, he still hadn't gotten to it. And I think he just forgot about it at some point. And it's like it took him like, I think one time, two hours just to read the text that he was trying to read. I didn't get to that part. I I was done by the hour. (laughs) But I I love it because I think the way he thinks and the way he's trained himself to think over the years is it, it goes well 
with the way the Bible is written. Mm. Like there's so much. Yeah, yeah. And every little sentence mm-hmm. and every little detail, nothing is there by accident. Exactly. That a lot of it doesn't become clear unless you know the whole thing. Yeah. And then the challenge is, well, how do I communicate this to you? Mm. As we'll, mm-hmm. we'll eventually get to when we get to the gospel, right? How do I, how do I say this to you? You know, how do I say this to you if you're a Jew? Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully now, and you know, Jesus's day and Paul's day, they had the whole of the, what we'd call the Old Testament or the Tanakh downloaded in their minds already. So they were able to track certain things, but then now taking us out to a larger world. Yeah. How do you, how do you say this to somebody, you know? And I think a lot of it has to do with, you don't, <laughs> mm. to, to a certain extent, you show it with your life. Right. And, you know, I think being a truly human person <laughs> is shocking. <laughs> it's offensive uh, to some. I, I think I, probably to most at first, but it's compelling. Yes. To see somebody living a truly human life, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It just so doesn't happen right. often. And I think when followers of Jesus, when we live our lives in this way, it becomes compelling before we even open up our mouths. Yes. And it becomes something that then people want to know. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it starts with Jesus. Yeah. And it ends with Jesus. Right. Because according to Jesus, the whole thing is about Jesus. Right. He's moving the Tanakh forward. He's moving the Tanakh forward. And we can kind of, we kind of start connecting these little dots. We can kind of see that, yeah, it, it's been here the whole time. So Leviticus's plan was, you know, sacrifice and it wasn't just sacrifice it was the festivals and the celebrations yeah not all sacrifice necessarily dealt with you know killing an animal there were wave offerings grain offerings there were thank thanks um thanksgiving thanksgiving offer not not thanksgiving what we're about to celebrate (laughs) in real time right like you know thanksgiving like you know thanksgiving offerings just saying hey thanks you know I'm giving you this. I'm giving I'm giving mm-hmm. you this, yeah. And as as we've seen, you know, even in our the class that we just took mm. uh, with the Bible for normal everyday people, everyday life in, in ancient Israel, Israel mm-hmm. you know, even the Israelites were very conflicted on this. They never really truly, in a, at least according to the archaeological point of view, they never actually truly attained to actually being Israel mm-hmm. in historical real time. They were very very like. Um, much mixed with the people groups right. that, that were there, the Canaanites yeah. and all of them, even in the way that they worshipped. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. The gods that they worship. The gods they worship, yes. Mm-hmm. Gods with an S, yes. Yeah. And you can see it when you begin to look, read your Bible Bible closely. It, you know, it wouldn't have been shocking, I think, to the original audience because they were like, yeah, we know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But to us, coming from a perspective of like, no, the Bible is full of pure Israelites who only worshipped one God, or only aware of one God. It can be a little um, unnerving yeah. when, when you first see, yeah. you know, and many translations have done like a good job kind of like concealing that for most leaders, most readers, like they change some of the wording. Hmm. But that's for another day, if, if ever. So Leviticus, right? That was kind of the plan. Levites were going to carry it out, hence the call the book of Leviticus. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Jesus arrives in the scene, and Jesus kind of is like the ultimate sacrifice in he a is. sense. Yeah, that kind of. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but 
it's true. Yeah. He wasn't kind of. He was. Yeah. I, I say that just to say because I think this can trip people up sometimes. Mm-hmm. They can kind of feel like, you know, God was angry. Um, God was about to kill us. And like, you know, like a secret service agent, Jesus like jumped in front of the bullet. He was like, no. Are you going back to Matrix? Who's a podcast, honey? Not a video. Sorry, sorry. No one can see what you're doing. <laughs> Just imagine Matrix, people. Tomorrow I'm shutting off the Matrix. Anyway, go Keanu. In that movie, why is he never understand? That's like his character. I don't understand. But I don't understand. Anyway, uh, I say that only because I think sometimes this is this is going to take a lot of unpacking, you know. So feel feel free to push any way you feel, uh, because it is kind of something where I think we can we almost we can almost make it like God was angry with people, and then Jesus like took all that anger, and now everything's okay. But I think it's a much bigger story. When we look at it that way, a lot of us are really unhappy when we do that. Why did God do this to me? Mm-hmm. Why did God do that? And uh, it's painful watching someone live like that. Yeah. Or the idea of you know, imagine the worst thing you ever did and then all that getting put on Jesus, like Jesus experienced everything for all time. It's on that the cross. guilt. Yeah. This is when that guilt starts. Yes. Yeah. Which is funny because I remember uh, even when I was going through uh, what what's come to be called the studies, mm-hmm. uh, kind of just to gain entrance into my church. Uh, there's a study that's kind of like near the end. It's like it's called, the. it used to be called the cross. I don't know what they call it now. And, you know, they had, like, a medical account of, like, the crucifixion written by, I guess, a doctor. I don't know how he studied crucifixions or what that looked like. Uh, and the whole thing was, like, I felt like, at, the, at that point, I, you know, I had known enough of the Bible that I don't necessarily know, know if I felt guilty. Like, I didn't feel like I was personally responsible for Jesus like in a sense that like it was like one for one like my sins went right to Jesus Jesus paid like I felt like more of like it was like Jesus was doing something that changed the world and I felt great about that no I don't you know no not at all not for okay let me borrow your Bible sure I forgot where it is I think it's second Peter yeah because this is really like ingrained the scripture talks um, about he bore your sins. I, I want to read that. I always do the same thing. It's First Peter. It is First Peter two, yeah. but I don't see it on my here, but I don't see it. Two twenty four. <gasps> yes. <laughs> okay, so to this, and they go instead of putting you, put your name on it. To this, Patty, you were called because Christ suffered for Patty, leaving you, leaving Patty an example that Patty should follow in his steps. 
He committed no, no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Oh, sorry, I, I forgot to translate the whole you to, right? Um, he, he himself bore Patty's sins in his body on the tree so that Patty may die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, Patty has been healed for Patty was like a sheep going astray, but now Pat, Patty returned to the shepherd and overseer. An overseer of, I guess, our souls. Her soul. Her soul. Yeah. So how did, how did that make you feel? I'm getting upset. You're getting upset. I am. I am getting upset. Okay. Um. It's okay. Yeah. So, I, at that time, pushing a little bit of my anger right now, um, I'm an older child. I want to say that we attract more older, older sibling in our church. You were like than the, the firstborn. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't know if you, if you look around, around our circle, most of us are firstborns. Okay. So I don't mean to do this whole psychology crap. But, Go for it. But. So the people pay to hear. But then this is for free. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> older, older siblings, firstborn in our circle. Already had that. I need to be an example hmm. for my younger brother and sister. The responsibility. The responsibility is high. I see. The responsibility is mine. Hmm. To be this example. And my first year, it was like, what a weirdo, right? I left all my friends, my family, and that, I mean, I am very grateful for that letter. I mean, like really in retrospect, when you look at everything that happened, I'm really grateful (laughs) because it snapped me out of like back to reality and being like Jesus, not studying with people about Jesus but living my life like Jesus. <laughs> anyway, this when 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 I when I when I read that, right? It's um so it was a pressure, the pressure and the guilt and the one saying I- I'm the one that has to be. And I think that's the part that can make Christians weird. Mm-hmm. And I recently just had a conversation with someone who's like, "Yeah, because I need to do this because I'm the Christian." And unfortunately, I do hear that often. But more recently, I heard that and I'm looking at him like, this is why your family doesn't like you. <laughs> this is why your family thinks you're so weird. I don't know if we're getting off track. But... <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Uh, but I think that's a good example. We, we were actually going to talk about that today. You know, because hmm. we're, we're talking about, you know, Jesus as the sacrifice that deals with sin with some of the letters and a lot of what we have in the new Testament, when we don't know the whole story, it's very easy to, you know, fill in the gaps with our own tradition 
our own prejudices, our own what we already know the world works like anyway. You know, this is what this is what's true anyway. I knew this going in. So I, I don't think we always uh, realize that. And I think you're right. I think, um, you know, Jesus should uh, not be producing guilt and shame, but quite the opposite. Right. Uh, when you understand the whole story. And just as, you know, a cautionary word or two here, I do think some of this stuff that we're going to talk about, especially things like around Jesus, uh, they are mysteries. They are profound mysteries that don't have any simple answers. Right. You know, and I just want to, you know, be careful not to fall one way or the other when we talk about this. Because in some ways, the universe was fundamentally changed on that day. Hmm. You know, as NT, in one of N.T. Wright's books, the day the revolution began, like that day Jesus died on the cross, the world changed. The, every, everything changed. History changed. Yeah. And how that has changed is something that I feel like is still being played out. It's being played out in the history of the church. It's being played out in the, in the lives of believers. It's being played out the trajectory of history. You know, the long, long arc of history that's kind of been playing out for 2,000 years now. And who knows, maybe it'll play out for 2,000 more or even more. We just don't know. Um, but what we do know is, you know, looking at the scripture. Do you mind if I grab that? Yeah. Is uh, so where were you? You were in First Peter. Two. Twenty. What? Twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were in but first. From starting in verse twenty-one. You started in verse twenty-one, so you know you go back even a little bit more. Um. You know, and you kind of ask yourself what what is going on here, what is going on in this scripture? Like, what is Peter talking about? You know, and he's talking about an actual day. Mm. What day is he talking about? He's talking about the Day of Atonement. He's talking about an actual festival Mm. that, again, this goes back to the book of Leviticus. (laughs) Were you, was like a Patty filling the blank? (laughs) Oh no, she doesn't, didn't fill it in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to jump in there. Yeah. You know, and that should inform our reading of this scripture mm. where there there's a lot of stuff going on in here. And I do think because the whole reason I brought up the cross study is because I remember like we were reading the cross and I, I felt like I was I was tracking with with all the scriptures. I understood where it was going. But some of the people who were studying with me, they were, I think they were a little bit concerned because I didn't have like an emotional response. Mm. Like they didn't I wasn't fighting back tears. I wasn't emotional i didn't feel any guilt or shame and i remember uh even getting to the part where jesus gets whipped with the cat of nine tails and this one uh person who was studying with me went to like detail about like what that was like and what that one must have felt like and they read the scripture and while they were reading the scripture he actually took his hand and he like stuck it on my back like you know so it's like i guess i was supposed to like jump or like feel like oh oh my goodness jesus took this for me and it i was just like when we ended it, I was like, I don't know, guys. I felt like you guys needed me to get someplace emotionally. I'm not there. I almost felt like, did I, did I do something wrong here? Wow. Like, is this not hitting me correctly? 
and uh, probably label us disconnected. Maybe you know we we walked away from it, and then you know someone else told me you know later it's like oh well you don't have to understand everything, you know you don't have to like mm. you don't have to you don't you know like took some of that guilt and shame away from me like what was wrong with me that I, I wasn't like crying now because I was supposed to get whipped and you know beat wow. you know by God and now Jesus took it all for me. It was very confusing for me, you know, and I think it it um, changed my view of God, you know, that I didn't have before, where now I felt like God was almost like this frightening thing. Like in another context, he would have killed me or destroyed me or allowed all this, ter- allowed or caused all these terrible things to happen to me. But Jesus somehow got in the way. You know, almost this idea of like being in Christ was almost like uh, Jesus was like some type of bomb shelter. And I was inside it, but if God saw that I was in Jesus, he he would be really angry with me and he would destroy me. Um, and it was very very traumatic for me. And I think it took many years for me to come out of that. Um, one of the things that kind of I think helped me was just even thinking about okay, like Jesus's death was, um, I guess harsh, but you know lots of people died in harsh ways or even harsher ways. Mm-hmm. So it it seemed like there was something else going on in the story than the fact of like how hard his death was. Like, you know, not to like belittle the cross. Like that's not what I'm trying to do. Well, I, I had a similar thing. Yeah. Like to me, the worst thing would be getting raped. Mm. And I'm like, you, we're going to compare it. I think that's the most devastating thing mm. or a child mm-hmm. having something happen to a child. That to me is worse. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and to just, you know, like, yeah, thinking about all the more terrible things that can happen. You know, like, I think sometimes people can get really, like, awkward about talking about this because they can think about, oh, the cross is supposed to be, like, this ultimate... Sacrifice. Like, thing. So, like, no one ever died more of a tragic death or or a harsher death than Jesus. Um, Where... Maybe, but it, it kind of does seem that, like, you know, people die in all types of terrible ways. Death is always a tragedy, mm-hmm. whether it happens uh, in your room while you're asleep or it's, you know, while something terrible is happening to you. Death is always a tragedy. You know, death is the great enemy. So, you know, I think that was kind of my pathway out of that fear and shame of not having an emotional reaction necessarily to the cross of a more of like oh wow like i thought we were i almost i think when i we were studying the bible i almost thought we were we were someplace else like i felt like i did have more of the old testament than many of the people who were trying to help me did so i felt like i was maybe connecting some more dots intuitively than like many of them in that room were uh but you know that focus on me not feeling anything and how that bothered people really made me feel, well, well it's, what's wrong with me, mm. you know? And then even seeing what Peter is doing here, you know, Peter knows his, Peter knows his Tanakh. Peter mm. knows his Hebrew scriptures. It seems very simple. Just put your, put your own name in and then feel something. But then when you do that, what does that say about what you think about God? Like, is that who God really is? You know, I mean, I guess it's possible. You know, it's po- God can be, I guess, whoever he wants to be. 
But is it possible that God really just wants to destroy us? Mm. And Jesus just somehow got in the way? That's strange. Very. You know, that's Mm -hmm. the idea of me pulling out a gun and I want to kill you. But then I put my own head in front of the gun and I pull the trigger. Like, it just seems like there's something deeper here going on uh, that I think is worth exploring. So let's go over to John 1, verse 29. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So, again, Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. What should that send us back to in our minds? Um, the early sacrifice. Yeah. What book? Leviticus. Leviticus. Yeah, Leviticus. Those two lambs. Mm-hmm. Right? What, what was the story of the two lambs? What was going to happen? This was from the last episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. Wow, you did all that editing and everything? I know, I listened to it twice. Yeah, so there's two goats, right? Yes. One goat for Yahweh, one goat for Yah. Stop flipping through the sign, the slides. <laughs> one one goat, goat for Yahweh that was sacrificed, and the other, the high priest, laid his hands on it and, you know, confessed Israel's sins, and that was sent out, sent out to the land of wandering. It was driven away from the people. So the sin was taken out of the camp, out of the assembly of the people. Right? And this was supposed to be done every year. Yeah. You know? And theoretically, this was done at the end of the year, right before Moses was able to get back into, well, to get into, the for the first time, the tent where he was going to meet with God. Right? The thing that they set up. So, again, this should be taking us back to the two goats from Leviticus, one for Yahweh and one for wandering. And so that, I think, is something that people can miss. Because right here you can insert your atonement theology if you don't know the rest of the story. Yeah, the Lamb of God. Jesus had to die so the sins, so my sins would be, you know, my sins deserve death, right? Pull some scriptures out of context. The wages of sin are death. You know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? From the sin and repentance study. And then all of a sudden here you are, okay, Here's Jesus. I think I understand this from my own theology, from my own tradition. Okay, yeah, I understand. You know, here's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, of course, because my sin put Jesus on the cross. And But, it, you know, it's a little different here. The sin of the world, yeah. right? Not the sin necessarily of Patty, but what sin, what is sin even? Like, and we talked about it, I think, last week. Is sin just yes, something... Yeah, it's not necessarily something we do. That's kind of like the fruit right. of sin. That's what sin produce, produces. But sin itself is just not being fundamentally right. Not being what we were intended to be. That's better. Because when people hear not right, they automatically think their own the definition of righteous. Yeah. And spiritual. Right. Yeah. So then we go to 1 Corinthians 5, 7. And, you know, Paul, Paul's getting this. Paul, Paul understands all this. So in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, 
Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but the bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. So Paul's calling us back to the Passover lamb. He's calling us back to Exodus. Yeah. He's calling us back again to the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus. This is the part in uh, the New Heavens and New Earth of Middleton. Yeah. That I like read through so I could like. (laughs) Finish the book. Finish the book and see the whole thing. Yeah. This is good. Yeah, so this this is like, this is important, you know, because I think you can even look at this and and say, oh, well, Paul is saying that, you know, Israel is the old yeast. God is doing something new. You know, we can disregard everything that came before. We just, we have our New Testament. We have Paul. We're good. But this isn't what Paul is saying at all. You know, Paul is, he wants us to understand, like, like the idea of being a slave Versus the idea of being free, you know, that there is a slavery to sin full of malice and full of wickedness. And that can actually be in a religious context, like the Jews, like the like Israel, what Israel failed to see and failed to live up to. And then, you know, taking that out, the Passover lamb leading us out of death into life, just like it did back in Exodus. So we see the same type of thing coming here. Jesus is the Passover lamb. So Paul taking us back again to Leviticus, Leviticus into Exodus. The idea of these temple spaces, these Garden of Eden-like settings that we can't get into unless somehow we deal with the sin first. And in this case, Jesus has dealt with it. And in a sense, he's dealt with it once and for all. Like, there's no need for additional sacrifices to sin. Somehow Jesus has dealt with all of it. And that's kind of like a question that I think we're going to be leading into. And then we were going to talk about 1 Peter 18 to 19. That's kind of what we did before Jesus compared. uh, I think you read it. Jesus' death compared to the Day of Atonement sacrifice. So, yeah, I mean, we we kind of already went there. I I think it was good. I think it's just, you know, it's important to understand that to an ancient Israelite or to the, the the original readers of this text, there was no concept of personal sin. Mm-hmm. There was more of a concept of institutionally we have sinned. Mm-hmm. As a people, we have sinned. Mm-hmm. And maybe my sin has contributed to it. But when we dealt with that sin, we didn't necessarily deal with it as like a person. We dealt with it as a people. You know, and yeah, there are things where you can deal for personal sin, not saying it's not there, but here Jesus being compared to, you know, a day and a sacrifice that was supposed to deal with the sin of the people, not necessarily what you dealt with individually. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, I guess you can talk about this when we, well... Because when we talk about the gospel, we're not really talking about like just reading one book or all four, correct? Right. <clears throat> yeah, well, that's the part. Anyway, I'm not sure. 
I was gonna say what I what I gather from the Book of Mark. Sure, go for it. That it was confu- not confusing, but like, man, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And that's like the part that I was like, of sins, mm. not your sins. Hmm. Deep. And. So what do you mean by that? Like, what's the difference between your sins and of sin? Right, because the whole personal thing that I mentioned earlier. Because mm. that the reminder about taking out you and put your name, Middleton talks about it in his book. Yeah. And that's when I first thought I was like, oh, I wonder if he's from our tradition. And that's maybe just very common practice in American Christianity. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about, too, about how insulting a lot of Christianity must be to many people who have experienced real tragedy. Mm. And I don't mean insulting in a good way. Like, I, I do think, like, a truly authentic human life is always going to be offensive uh, to people on different levels. I mean more in a sense that, you know, when you when you think about sin, and you think about sin as, you know, sin is probably intended to be, like a fundamental wrongness. And then you're asking someone to turn away from that and you make it personal. But what about if the darkness of sin, the darkness of the world has, has fundamentally damaged somebody and it wasn't their fault. Like maybe something happening to them as a child, you know, being abused, uh, something happening where someone has died, you know, uh, thinking about the queen's gambit. Yeah. That we just, yeah, that we just watched on Netflix. Yeah. You guys should all go watch it. But that character in that story, she'd experienced so much darkness. Mm-hmm. And I could imagine a group of people from my tradition sitting sitting down with her and making it about her and about how her sins. And I experienced some of this, you know, when I went through even my divorce, mm-hmm. you know, like with the church where it eventually became about me. Like I needed to change where I was like, but so, something has happened to me. Like mm-hmm. something dark and evil has happened to me. And, and, you know, something dark and evil happened to my ex-wife as well. You know, where it was it was almost like it was beyond us. Mm-hmm. Like some type of darkness, something, some type of intelligent force that wanted harm and wanted destruction had affected us. And then to turn around and, and like make it about me, like I need to, you know, Let's find something for him to like deal with. You know, it was it was almost like heartbreaking because mm. it's like, OK, I'm trying to like pick up the pieces here of my broken life and hear you guys like, you know, like yelling at me or like making me feel bad for the way I'm picking him up, <laughs> you know, or it's like I'm trying to like figure out like what to do here and let's let's try and make it about me, you know, because that what do I need to repent of? How did I cause this? And it's like, well. No, it's, it's different than that. You know, I think it's more of like a turning away from the dark where it becomes more of like, okay, like, yeah, there is something here where I can just give up. I can just say, God hates me, or this is this was my fault because I did something. Or I can turn towards the light. I can turn away from sin. And I can I can say, okay, this happened. Um, this is this is what this is what really happened. I'm I'm damaged now, I'm different. But God wants to bring me new life and new creation. And so there's a turning away from the dark into the light, which I think is different 
when you make it all like I think that's true repentance, but what you can make it about okay like, well maybe you didn't maybe you didn't pay attention to her enough, maybe you weren't a good enough husband, maybe you didn't have a good enough job, mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe this maybe that maybe you guys didn't get enough help maybe people maybe you guys weren't transparent enough about what was going on in your life, and then it like becomes like another guilt shame kind of relationship, versus like. A leaving of one space and returning to another, a leaving of a world uh, ruled by darkness and going into a world of light where God is the light. You know, going back into an Eden-like setting, trying to find heaven and earth where they meet, versus just like being looking for the thing that to feel guilty about. Does that make sense? sense this changes everything (laughs) you know and i think many people live out their entire christian lives and they never actually get in touch with the gospel it becomes one of those things again that they fail to live up to i think people carry a lot of guilt around in their lives about how they're not good daughters they're not good sons they're not good students, they're not good mothers, they're not good fathers, they're not good at their jobs, they're just not good people. And I think Christianity, in a sense, for many people, reinforces that view and then tells them that, okay, like, yeah, it's true. You were never good enough. Thank goodness for Jesus, because he makes you enough so that one day you can get to heaven. And I think people, over time, live out sad, broken little lives where they just like go from one letdown to another, just waiting for that day after they die that everything will be made better. And I think the fundamental point is that God is the God of the living and not the God of the dead. And I think we seriously misunderstand the scriptures and we seriously misunderstand the point of this whole story. I'm certain of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe that's Psalm 23. And I think that's the hope David had, and that's the hope we're meant to have as Christians as we face this dark world and the powers of darkness, you know, that Jesus ultimately had victory over at the cross. So in Jesus dealing with with the sin of the world and not necessarily of Patty Zito. Yeah. You know, I think it, it changes everything. I don't know if we're going to bring it up here, but another thought that came in mind is that it's uh, it's this war against Satan. Right. And then we make it all about Satan. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I don't know, there was one week I heard it twice about the kingdom of Satan. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> Where did that come from? Right. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Are we going to talk about it here? I don't think we're going to talk about it here. I know. I, was, I hadn't planned on it. Well, because I'm trying to put myself in my own shoes back when I was studying the Bible. And then when I continue to hear people, people... Like, oh, that's Satan. Those are the thoughts that Satan put on you. Satan, 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 Satan. And then 
we are living this guilt and shame and um, not not just say, like for who we are but like what our lives are playing out and we want to blame it on Satan. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I think when people think about sin there is that there's like two extremes. It's all on the worst or it's all sane. Hmm. And it can become black and white that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I think that is another response. I think you can feel like an irrational amount of guilt and shame over the things that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like we said before, like we lead these lies where it's like, our Christianity can almost reinforce the fact that we were never enough, we're never good enough, uh, we're just screw-ups, we keep messing up again and again and again. Jesus died for all that, you know, again and again and again. Uh, every time we sin, we're crucifying Jesus, s- stuff like that, you know. And then, well, I think one response to that is to be like, well, it wasn't me, it was Satan. Yeah. Right? And then I think we fundamentally miss what Satan is in the Bible, too, uh, you know, even being a, not a proper name, you it's know, the, in, Satan. the Satan or the right. accuser, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and what is what does that mean? Mm. You know, and kind of like reframing the whole conversation. I think we assume going into our Christianity that things like Satan and angels and demons and heaven and hell means what we think it means. Yeah, like this war. Yeah. against hell and Satan yeah. and God, Jesus, and I. Yeah, which that's not Christianity. That's, that's dualism. That's <sighs> the idea of like there are two great powers, mm-hmm. a good one and a bad one, and they're constantly at war. Yeah. Where if the Bible makes it clear that if there is a war, it's no contest. Exactly. You yeah. know, they're, sure. yeah, they're, if there has been a rebellion, it's a rebellion of futility that will never go anywhere, you know, because... God is supreme. God made those powers. They're not on the same footing as him. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I think it, it changes everything. And I think as we get more into the Gospels, I think we, we just need to understand that there's a story here and there's a truth that most of us have never really encountered. And I think if we've encountered it here or there in the Scriptures... We tend to sweep it aside and we tend to stay in the places that we're more comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And we're reading our own theology and our own traditions into our Bible studies, if we're having them at all. And my fear is that most Christians in our tradition are not actually in the Word. Like, you know, they're doing that personal Bible devotional study that you were talking about before. They're looking for the thing to do. They look. Mm-hmm. They have the do-do Christianity, Right. As I like to say, do do, don't do do all on your faith. That nobody wants to clean that up. Uh, or you know, it's something that they're just not—they're not really reading at all, and they're—they're they're getting fed, so to speak, in uh, the sermons, and they're just listening to what the preacher says or the minister says or their group leader says, and they're not really like dealing with some of the stuff. And my hope for this podcast, The Life to the Full of Message to Christians, which I, which why I feel like this is such an important fundamental topic, we're spending so much time on it, is because it changes everything. Mm-hmm. You know, 
when it becomes a, about the mythical place that you're going to go when you die after having been a screw up your whole life, but thank goodness for Jesus who makes all that go away somehow because he took all that and not the idea of like what is happening now. Yeah. Like how is God speaking into your life here and now right. and the people of your life? How is he, how is God manifest manifesting heaven on earth with you and your community? And I think that is something that not many people have run into. You know, I know I never ran into it in my tradition. I ran into it more in, in the uh, in the Bible, and I was like, "Why can't we do this?" I thought we were supposed to be trying to do this. What do you mean by this? Um, living out the scriptures in such a way that new creation is manifesting itself it. in the life of the church, mm-hmm. not necessarily where you know I think people have said it before. Oh. You know, they take a scripture, I think, from Kings or Chronicles, I don't remember, where they're like, oh, we're just two beggars. We're just a bunch of beggars showing everyone else where the feast is, hmm. you know, or we're just, we're all a bunch of sinful wretches. And like, you know, of course the church has hurt you. We're just a bunch of, of messed up people trying to do our best. Hmm. You know, that's the point of Jesus. I don't think that's the point of Jesus. Hmm. I think the point of Jesus, I think Jesus expected us to change the way we were living in such a way that people could see in our lives that this must be where the spirit of God dwells. This must be God's temple made flesh and blood. These, these must be the living stones of the new temple, new Jerusalem coming now in the lives of his followers. And I don't think, you know, I think a lot of people can be like, Oh, I don't want to be a person of history. I don't want to study history. I think, you know, that's a mistake. I think history tells its own story, you know, and I think, unfortunately, the church has not been great at living this out in, for most of its history. And I think we, it's time for us as believers of Christ and followers of Christ to say enough is enough. We, we have to take this seriously. We have to stop waiting to go to that magical place in the sky um, that the Bible doesn't seem overly concerned about with and we need to start living our lives in such a way that we're pushing the kingdom of heaven heaven and earth coming together here where we are right now we'll see you guys next week adios muchachos and mucho chichos okay honey <laughs> Babe. okay sorry Adios muchachas and muchachos.